as I always say with any of the businesses that I've been a part of, whether or not they won or lost, there's so many things that you learn from them. And the only way you learn, I always explain it to people, is if you're in it. You know, you're inside the building. You are knee deep in shit all the time because it is so impactful, not just on where you're at now, which a lot of people will recognize, but where you're going to be, you know, in 10 years. This is Evolve CPG, a community of purpose-driven brand leaders who not only believe in better, but actively pursue it. As better products, better brands, better leadership for a better world. Thanks to you, our listeners, this podcast is now ranked in the top 10% of all podcasts globally. Let's not stop there, though. If you like our show, please take a moment to leave us a rating or review and share your favorite episodes with your network. The more people we reach, the more good we can bring about in this world. If you work in the industry, you can also join our online community where we're going further, faster, together at community.evolvecpg.com. I'm your host, Gage Mitchell, founder and creative director of Modern Species, a sustainable brand design agency helping better brands grow and scale their impact. On this episode, we're speaking with Mark Samuel, founder and CEO of I Want Organics, about how a good founder should be knee-deep in everything, the importance of learning on the go, and why you should put health above all else. Mark Samuel, founder of I1 Organics. We are a plant-based organic snacking platform. We can be found nationally at over 5,000 retail stores and online at Amazon, our website, Thrive, and the like. And I appreciate you having me on. Awesome. Excited to chat more with you, Mark. I think... Anyone that knows you, I think, would see that it's pretty clear that you have a true and authentic passion around health and fitness. So I'm just curious, I think your website describes it as a lifelong passion of yours. So when and how did that focus come about for you? Yeah, I found the weight room at about 19. So 24 years ago is when I found the weight room. That was after I played a year of soccer in college. And then knew that, you know, I wasn't going to take that any further. So I found the weight room and it's been in my lifestyle ever since. Nice. Okay. So you started with some sports like soccer, but then like weight training in general and just kind of spoke to you. So what was it about weight training that, that kind of got you hooked on it? I enjoyed being in the gym. I so kind of what I remember. It was at a city college and uh, I just enjoyed going there after class and really understanding, you know, sort of the movements, the basic movements of the bench press and the like. And I'm, I mean, in hindsight, right, I'm lucky that I did, I, that I had that in me. And then, of course, as the years have gone on, I've just become more engaged in physical training, you know, and the likes of CrossFit and di- different disciplines within it. And so uh, I just have a real love for fitness and training in general. Yeah. I think what I liked about kind of working out in a gym is it can be a solo practice, but you can also have like a workout buddy or something like that. But it's very clear when you're making progress, right? If you're playing a sport or something, it's not, you know, one day you were this and then the next day you were that. It's like a slower gain and, and ebbs and flows. But when you're in the gym, I feel like, you know, you're moving the, the weights up and down. Like, you know exactly how you're doing that day and, and how much you've progressed from six months ago or something like that. So it's like the immediate gratification. I like that part. It's one of the only things that never lies to you. I always say weights will never lie to you. Your girlfriend will, your boyfriend <laughs> will, yeah. All those things, but it, you know, it's just you and them, right? And you know when you're making 
advancements when you're not, you know, when you're cutting when you shouldn't, as far as, you know, cutting shortcuts and the things and the like. So it's a pure, honest sport, as I say. Yeah, love it. So, and you also mentioned CrossFit. I think you co-owned and, and or managed a, a gym, at least maybe one gym, maybe multiple, but I think that had some CrossFit related to it. So how did you get into working at a gym? Obviously, you were passionate about this, so you just met someone who was a trainer, I think, and then started working with them? Yeah, I mean, I had always done my own thing as far as businesses. So when somebody who was a trainer who was starting to sort of activate themselves in CrossFit, they had uh, approached me at, at the gym and, you know, wanted me to look into CrossFit. They, they wanted me to run through some CrossFit workouts. I had never heard of it. And it morphed into what eventually was a partnership where we opened up the first brick and mortar. You know, this is back then, you know, in hindsight, the first actual brick and mortar CrossFit gym in San Francisco. Many have come since then. But yeah, I had a good run with it. Again, I really just handled the business side of it. Loved being in there every day to train. But you know, it wasn't something that I was going to be doing long term. Gotcha. So you yourself have never gotten like a training certificate or anything like that. You don't like coach other people, but you were kind of the business side of things. Exactly. It's something that I wouldn't be good at. It's funny, I just had this interview and a question was about people being passionate, you know, do something you're passionate about. I say it all the time. I'm passionate about training, like at the highest level. But that doesn't mean I should go out there and be a trainer. I'd be the worst. Because, you know, I'm not cut to do that. So it's very important to recognize, you know, before you hear these sort of cliche type of comments, like just find something you're passionate about and do that. Well, that's not always the case. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so did, how far did you go with your own training? Did you do any of the CrossFit competitions or anything like that as well? I did. But back then it was easier. I mean, I even did, you know, some of the regionals and stuff. But, you know, after you recognize that, it started to get more competitive as the years had gone on. I'm not at that level. I wish I was, but you know, I'm definitely not at the level that these guys and gals are at. Gotcha. Okay. So you had kind of helped with that gym, CrossFit kind of gym, but then you've also had, I think, multiple companies that had kind of a fitness meal prep kind of theme to them or something like that, where you were designing and patenting products for meal prep or meal planning. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. The first company around the idea of, of meal prepping and as far as having a travel bag that we called compartmentalize your meals was a brand called Six Pack. So myself and the co-founder at the time had invented that original Six Pack product. Basically, it's a travel bag that you could carry your meals in that were separated by a shelving system. And then you could put your shaker bottle and other things in it. And then that morphed into other types of bags that were revolved around the concept and idea of meal management. So we really created that category when it came to, to health and wellness. From that, I went on to do my own thing with a brand called Fitmark, where it was leisure and travel bags to start, but later we had created and innovated a line of meal management bags as well. Gotcha. And was it just the bag itself, or did it also come with any kind of advice around meal timing or nutrition or anything like that? There were, there were pieces to it that would, uh, you know, just through the brand itself, you know, and, and platforms, blogs and the like, we would create content around meal prepping. So obviously fitness and nutrition go hand in hand, right? But sometimes people find their way into fitness through nutrition and some people find their way into nutrition through fitness. Like which one was your first love? Fitness. You know, let me retract that. They were found simultaneously. And why I say that is, 
day one of finding the gym, again, it's not like I had never been in the gym before. I mean, even when I was 12 and 13, we have a local YMCA here where I grew up. My buddies and I would go in there and the older cats would be in there, you know, doing the bench and they'd show us how to do it. Like I had a desire. I knew that I liked what they were doing. But again, at the age of 18, 19, when I was actively doing it myself, I knew, inherently knew, that nutrition was part of this. That if I wanted to see the results that I wanted, that I would need to eat well. And I did. I would buy bags of chicken, bags of rice, and I would eat very disciplined, generic meals that were higher in protein and and what I'd call good carbohydrates to have results and get results that I wanted to. That's awesome because I don't feel like that's inherent. You know, I've got a lot of friends who are super into competitive athletic stuff, whether it's CrossFit or Tough Mudder or whatever, and they're training all the time. They go on these competitions. Like one of my friends does like the 24-hour Tough Mudder races that are pretty trying, but then he, for whatever reason, doesn't love to work on his nutrition. So he's usually just eating a bunch of garbage and like all the crap sugary goos and different things like that when I'm absolutely sure there's better stuff in general, but also better stuff for his specific body, right? But I don't think that's, they always go hand in hand. But obviously, if you do keep them hand in hand and tie your nutrition to your fitness, you'll perform so much better. Well, well, you know, it's a lifestyle for me. So it's easier for me to talk about. That's why I'm empathetic to those. And and really, I'm talking to those that are just on their journey. It's what our brand is about. The health and wellness platform is really about. I really want to touch those people just as much as those that are far further or advanced in this. But the lifestyle is for me. It is what it is. I enjoy eating well. You know, I don't want to eat those things. You know, if someone was a donut here, like I wouldn't have the donut. Not because I don't want it. I just don't want to feel shitty. (laughs) And, you know, and and because I recognize that and what my body does, I can avoid it. And that's the hardest part for most people is finding that peace and creating the lifestyle around wanting to replicate the feel good of eating well. And lastly, the piece to it, which isn't talked about enough is a lot. Many of us are more sensitive to foods than, than others. And I'm very sensitive. So I talk about mental health a lot too. And foods and exercise, they both have a direct effect on my mental health. And since I have a sensitivity to mental health, I need to eat well. I need to exercise for me to feel my best. And when it's not that, I know what that feels like. And I don't like that. I don't like that feeling. So again, it's a wide and wide open subject matter to talk about. And it does have different tentacles to it. Yeah. And I like that you talked about how you're personally sensitive to food, like what you put in your body. You can really tell how it affects you, right? I think that's true. I've been thinking about this a lot lately, with especially with a lot of the the no alcohol movements and such getting more and more popular right now. And I, I know you're on that platform wagon or whatever <laughs> as well, where, where you just try to avoid alcohol because of the way it makes you feel. And I've been hearing more and more people talking about that and that whole industry is blowing up in terms of products. So I think more people are starting to become sensitive to what they eat and how it makes them feel. But I don't know if it's the norm. So were you always that way or is it more because you are such a naturally fit and person who's used to putting good fuel on your body that it's that much more apparent when you're not putting good fuel on your body? I think we're all that way. I mean, I know I just said something a little different that each of us is a little more sensitive to it than others. That's true, too. But we are all that way. I mean, if you were to take 
a hundred people and, and feed them well, when I say well, whole foods, nutritionally dense, they would all say that they feel better. You know, it's just one of those things, right? Where we know, we know it's facts. There's nobody who can ever stand in our way to refute that. The opposite would be if you took those hundred and fed them bullshit, you know, and people would be like, well, what's bullshit? We all know what bullshit is. Don't, don't do that. Don't, <laughs> yeah. no, let's not do that. They would feel worse. So it does, it affects us. And so to go to your original question, yes, I always knew. I always could tell there was a difference when I was eating better versus when I would have my last $6 in my pocket and I wanted the biggest bang for my buck because I deserved it. And I'd go down to a local, this is San Francisco at the time, the local taqueria and just get this massive burrito, right? Just filled with just, you know, process this, that, and the other oils that they would use. People forget about that. Why is, you know, the inflammation on it. And I know what it, I felt like after. I felt amazing eating it, but I felt like shit afterwards. Well, it's, it's not a coincidence. That's just what foods do to us, right? They either make us feel good or they don't. You know, there's a little wiggle room in between there for everybody who wants to, you know, discount it. Fine, we can do that. But we all know what the theme of this and the commentary is about. Yeah, I like that. One of my uh, friends who's been on the show before as well, Rob Sinclair from Conscious Brands, he's not hardcore on like reviewing nutrition labels and all that kind of stuff. But what he says is his system is he just eats what makes him feel good. <laughs> like if it doesn't make him feel good, he doesn't eat it. If it does make him feel good, he eats more of that. And I think not enough people pay close enough attention to their body or their mental state to like tie their food to their depression or their low energy or whatever else. Maybe it's some people have a easier memory for connecting. Okay, that thing I ate three hours ago is related to my afternoon slump right now. I think everyone can relate to the giant burrito feeling because like you get that feeling immediately after you ate that. But some food effects, like if you've been, for me, the most obvious times are when I'm traveling and I'm not on my game because at home I cook almost all my own meals and it's all whole ingredients, mostly plants, etc. And then when I travel, I'm just like getting whatever I can get and people are taking me out to dinners or whatever. I know you're you're much better about like not going out at late at night and stuff. And so I do all that stuff. And by the end of a three or four day trip, I can feel it, right? But I'm not necessarily feeling huge effects if I just have a couple slices of pizza in my normal daily life. Um, whereas some people would feel that instantly. So maybe it's just like whether you're good at recognizing what you ate affected you five hours later or one hour later or whatever, that could be part of it. And then another thing I was going to mention is that psychological study of children and the, and the marshmallows and like the delayed gratification kind of thing where they, they tell them you can have one now or like if you wait, you can have two marshmallows and most kids would like just grab the marshmallows immediately because <laughs> they don't want to wait. But the people who have that delayed gratification and who know, okay, it will feel great in the moment to eat that donut right now. But I know an hour later, I'll feel like crap. And being able to make that decision to push off the gratification now for the feeling that you'll have later, I think is is something that more people should try to aim for. Maybe it's like nurture versus nature. Maybe that's wired in. I'm not entirely sure that can be developed. But I think that's a big part of it, right? You got to be able to push off that indulgent burrito or nachos or whatever else because you'll know you'll feel bad later. And the last piece, which, you know, you didn't use the word, but they don't care. 
Yeah, right. You know, right. there's the piece that, you know, again, it's, I don't want to say that it's not talked about enough as well, but it's when we dive into these subjects, we aren't just calling it what it is. They don't care that it, it may be making them feel worse or it may be making them obese. Like they've crossed over that hurdle of just allowance. Like, I don't care. This is who I am and this is what I want to do. And I'm not to say that those aren't the people that we try to you know, bring back in, but I would say, admittingly, the people that I, I want to help first are the people that do want the help, right? They do want to get on the journey. They do want to put the one day connected to the second one, connected to the third and the 10th, right? I love those people because they are opting in to something that's extremely important. Now, I don't love those other people less. But it's only when they, it's like drugs, right? Or anything else. I mean, it's, it's equal to, it's killing you. It, that's just facts, right? They have to want it. They have to not want to feel tired early. They have to not want to have 25 extra pounds of weight on them, right? They want to learn about why foods do certain things to them. Not to the highest degree. We don't even be a scientist. Just like, well, why should my plate be focused on protein first? Tell me, Mark, you know, like that type of thing. I love that stuff. You know, why is protein the cornerstone and then everything should be moved around it? Well, here's why. Oh, did you have that? How'd that make you feel? Well, fuck, I felt great. I even, <laughs> I slept better. I slept better. You did? Oh, you think that was magic? No, that's because, you know. Yeah. So. Nice. Yeah, that makes sense. It also reminds me of, I think it was Tony Robbins who pointed out that there's a difference between a must and a should. A lot of people know they should probably eat better, they should exercise, but some people have turned it into a must. Like, I must go work out, I must eat better, etc., because they've tied it to their identity or they've just decided whether it's because they had a cancer scare or a heart attack or whatever that they're not going back in that direction. And I think if more people can figure out how to turn it from a should to a must, then they'll be more committed for that 10-day, 100-day, you know, all-year-round healthy eating kind of habit. Anyway, let's dive into I Want Organics, though. So obviously, with your background in fitness and nutrition, creating a nutritious food company totally makes sense. It's a no-brainer. But with that said, how did you settle on your specific product mix? Because you could have done frozen meals, you could have done protein supplements, you could have done a bunch of different things, but you you know, went down the specific path of snacks and other things. So was that kind of a strategy session or were you just like not seeing the snacks you wanted to eat? Like, how did you decide what to make? Well, the idea and concept was started like seven years ago. So that's a pretty, pretty long time ago as far as where we're at now, especially when we talk about the core principles. I wanted it to be, you know, an organic snack. I wanted it to be in snacking, some sort of platform there. I thought that savory had the most voids in it. So those were connected. I really liked legumes before they, well, they are what today, when people talk about peas or now pea proteins, but really just legumes in themselves, peas and or beans that naturally are higher in protein and fiber. I just liked that concept. So I married them all. I mean, that's really how I got it going. And I'm also the first to say, we'll get in there later, you know, people now when they hear me talking about food and eating whole nutritious dense foods, they go, yeah, but you have a snack company. I go, I know. Isn't that funny? I don't snack. I, I very rarely snack. I mean, I have ours all the time because of QC and quality and stuff like that. But like, I don't snack. 
and that's because really that's what this platform was about. It's a very real and honest platform about health and wellness. If I could have everybody not snack, I would say that. Don't snack. Eat 100% of the time, eat whole, nutritious, dense foods. Now, because I know how we are and what consumers need, and me being a parent even, right, what our kids need, there needs to be really great snacking platforms. And that was me. I wanted to do that. And so when it came to better for you snacking, of which, again, 97% of us still need to do because of convenience, being on the run and the like, I want there to be an option. And that was really what this was formed around and what we're building as a platform. Nice. I love that. It makes sense because a lot of founders create what they were craving, right? Like you might be craving cookie dough, but you wanted it healthier. So Erica launches bro dough to make healthier cookie dough or something like that, right? So it's like often based on what they eat. But I love that you were saying like, (laughs) you know, I I may not eat a lot of snacks, but I know snacking is a thing that's going to happen and most snacks are garbage. So I'm going to make better snacks so that if you're going to snack, eat something better. I I think that makes sense. I hope nobody gets upset at me when I'm about to say something, which I'm, by the way, I'm being half funny when I say this. Everybody says that their product was something made for themselves because that's what you're supposed to say. Don't get mad at me, folks. I'm saying something. I'm being half funny here, okay? All right, because why three years after you did that, something else came and da-da-da. Anyway, I'm half joking, everybody, please. Thanks. Go ahead. No, that's, I mean, that makes sense. And everyone also started their company in a garage, right? <laughs> so yeah, and it was in the <laughs> there's, garage. There's some tropes. They had 10 dollars. They borrowed $1,000 from their mommy. And uh, anyway, I'm, again, I'm joking, joking. Yeah. But it also reminds me a little bit of, I forget what field did this study, but it's like how you just lay out a city or lay out, a, this was in particular to the college campus I was on. You go to like college campuses and you see all these paths cut through the grass and then there's these paved sidewalks that wrap around a park or whatever. And there is this concept, I forget again where the study came from, but there's the path that you design where you want people to go in that direction. And then there's the path people will actually go. And a good landscape designer or whatever field this is that would decide where to put sidewalks, a good professional in that industry would just watch where people go and then put the path there. And I feel like that's what you're doing is like people are going to snack. The snacking industry is blowing up. Convenience is never going to or seems to be picking up more and more momentum. It's probably not going away. So if you're going to make a healthy food product, why not go where the people are, right? Yeah. And I talk on balance. So I talk on nutritional balance, the way that I eat, even at Whole Foods, right? Proteins, fats, carbohydrates. So our snacks are nutritionally balanced. You have proteins, fats, and carbohydrates in them. So it all follows the same theme, right? And it, there's nothing wrong. It's always, it is easier if, if you maybe created a product for, you know, a void that you saw, or maybe it's something you wanted to eat and you couldn't find it because there's a story behind that, right? Something you can at least get behind and always sort of encouraged to push it forward. But there's a lot to be said about, you know, looking at what is missing out there and understanding why it is or what should be in its place. I mean, if you can do that in any business, I mean, forget food, you could be talking about tech or, and, and, you know, it could be clothing, it could be, you know, you invented something for automotive. I mean, it doesn't matter, right? A better way to take care of the lawns on 25, you know, of the homes on this block, like that's what innovation is really about, right? But behind all that, You have to have the ability to continue to talk on that story on the why and where it's going for many, many years to come. So I know this is turning into a sort of before you start, make sure you got the 
you know, the, the why behind it. Um, cause that's, that's what it is, is, is make sure you, you recognize that you would have to tell this story for a long time. So there has to be something real purposeful behind what you're starting. Absolutely. I was just telling the start with why story to a group of students earlier today because they're in class trying to design some B Corp businesses. And I was expressing to them the start with why, the solve a problem, make sure your brand is authentic, tie your impact to your brand and so on and so forth. But yeah, that makes total sense. So you're about six years, six, seven years into Iwan now, but you also previous to that had a company. I think it was a company or maybe a role within a company called Concept to Commerce where you were helping design products? like So what are some of the lessons you've learned so far in your Iwan experience? And did some of that time with Concept to Commerce, like, has some of that knowledge come in handy with this process? That was an invention company. Myself and a co-founder, we had invented products even before that. So we morphed it into a company and we invented four housewares products. That was just a lot of learning and experiences that I'm taking into just life. I mean, you could take them into business, but As I always say with any of the businesses that I've been a part of, whether or not they won or lost, there's so many things that you learn from them. And the only way you learn, I always explain it to people, is if you're in it. You know, you're inside the building. You are knee deep in shit all the time because it is so impactful, not just on where you're at now, which a lot of people will recognize, but where you're going to be, you know, in 10 years. And something I often say, I say to most of these interviews. Uh, I look forward to the 53-year-old mark, right? 43 today. But like, I look forward to me in 10 years. So long God gives me the ability to get there, right? Because that will just be 10 more years of putting myself through these different situations, through these different variables, through these different obstacles, ups, the downs, the rounds, super impactful. Again, and when people hear me talk like this, I'm not just talking about business. I'm talking about life. You know, this is a life thing. They're all connected. So optimism in that mindset and theory is, is always a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I, f- I feel like with business, one of my favorite things about being an entrepreneur is that there's always a new challenge, whether it's a scale of your business, whether it's the current circumstances of the economy, like a pandemic, whether it's your industry shifting, whether it's trends changing, there's always a new problem to solve. So to your point, you could look at those as constant hurdles and challenges, or you can look at them as interesting ways to keep learning and growing and like finding new things that maybe because you experienced such and such thing in a recession 10 years ago, now you're going to be a different business leader when this next recession hits. But it's it's constant evolution where you're continually adding knowledge and skills and background and connections and whatever else that you can bring to your business, like you said, 10 years from now. So 10 years from now, Mark is going to be, you know, twice as or three times or 10 times more knowledgeable about the industry than you are now. So like, who knows what you'll create 10 years from now. So I love that thinking that it's not like a, you're not going to know everything from the start. You're going to learn as you go. You're going to get your hands dirty and you're just going to keep learning because, you know, the world constantly changes. Your business is going to constantly change. Your life is going to change, et cetera. Facts. (laughs) Facts. <laughs> All right. So speaking of change, one thing you're working on right now that you're kind of in the process of launching is this concept of winning together, a community for people who are trying to prioritize health and wellness within their companies. Can you talk a little bit more about that? I had this idea. I mean, it might be longer than a year, definitely a, a year plus ago, where it was you know derived from winning. I talk about winning a lot. 
We just got the, we actually just got our, our approval for I'm winning as a trademark for our brand, which is pretty awesome. People often ask, you know, what did that mean? Because I'm winning, I won as I'm winning on nutrition, but it was so much bigger than that. It was about winning in all facets of life. And, and really, as far as the food piece, it had to do with most people not feeling as though they were winning when it came to food choices. That was what the, the stemmed from, right? Again, most people don't feel like they're winning when it comes to their food choices. They often leave, you know, sort of that sitting or or that purchase of something not feeling great. So we wanted it to be on winning on nutrition, something that you could feel good about, but it morphed into other areas of life, right? You know, winning with kids and winning at home with the family and winning at work and winning through social media, meaning like, and winning through sleep and winning on health and wellness, like just feel good. Mental health, yeah. Men, yeah winning on mental health, like just winning, like the feel good. Everybody knows we can think back to those times they won. And there's something really special about it. There's something special about the word, the ethos of it, right? And so winning together, I wanted to bring together the community. We built a pretty good one. I built a great community on LinkedIn as an example and of just great people. I mean, I've met so many amazing people that I never would have met without not only the brand, but platforms like LinkedIn. And I know that there are other people, not just who have CPG brands, but service-related companies that are affiliated with CPG. So there, there's thousands, you know, thousands of CPG brands and thousands of service-related companies that all have identified with health and wellness in one way or another. And I describe what that is. And, you know, it's like, does your company do X, Y, or Z? And how it stemmed was like, even for us, you know, one of my associates, I really wanted to get him back in the gym and getting some fitness going. And I offered up something. It doesn't matter what it is, but I offered up something and he took me up on it and it's been working. It's been awesome to watch. And I'm like, I wonder if there's other companies that are doing this. Not even I wonder, I know they are, but I want to bring them all into one fold. So I thought winning together would be something cool. It's a platform for brands and services to come together. We'll build a website. We'll do shout outs. We'll do collaborations at some point. And so we just put it out there and people can sign up and we'll build this big website where all of our logos are going to be on it. And it basically is going to describe to the community for those that are looking for, may find this somehow, is that, ah, this brand that I purchase from or that I do business with is affiliated with something that I appreciate. You know, they're building wellness in their culture. And I like that. And so that's what it is. It starts off small. Who knows? It might build into something pretty sizable if, if possible, but it's just something that I, I believe is important and I'm excited we launched it. Yeah, I love it because it's something that as a business owner, I've always wanted to find the right ways to prioritize. Do we just buy the team memberships? Do we, We've participated in like citywide bike to work challenges or walk to work challenges or, or whatever for public transportation or health and fitness. Like we, we try all these little experiments. Some of our clients have like brought in yoga instructors for their team once a month. You know, I've heard companies that do massage therapists, they'll just get someone to come through the whole office and give people like a 10 minute massage. There's just so many things you could be doing, but a lot of those should be doing kind of things fall to the wayside when you're busy and they should be a priority, not just because it's the right thing to do, but like it'll also make your team happier, healthier, more productive. They'll do better quality work, et cetera, if they're bringing their all and they feel refreshed and fit and energized and everything else. So it's just, it makes sense from so many aspects and to have that almost like accountability by being part of a group where you're getting accountability, but also inspiration, seeing what other people are doing and implementing and how it's working out for them. I think it's a really fun idea. So I did apply as, as modern species and I'm looking forward to seeing how that develops. And maybe there's also some way to 
point evolved CPG community members over there. I think challenges could be also a fun way. Maybe that's like a collaborative opportunity there too, like a, a challenge kind of thing. But yeah, there's there's so much, I think, to it and I'm excited to see where it goes. So with that said, as we kind of start to wrap up here, we'll point people to Iwan Organics and Winning Together, which I believe the URL is thewinningtogether.com. So we'll point people there in the show notes and, you know, in the wrap up here. But as we're wrapping up, as a leader and entrepreneur who probably works incredibly hard yet finds time to still eat well and exercise and have a life, what kind of advice would you offer to other founders or just leaders in the industry for maintaining balance while they're trying to grow their brands? I say you you start with health. So balance is harder for some than it is for others, but I'm a big believer that health has to be at the cornerstone. And that's above everything. It's above your family. And people are like, what do you mean, my <laughs> no. kids? No, no, we all ever get. If you do not put yourself first and you don't put health as your number one priority, you can't serve others. You can't serve your spouse. You can't serve your kids. You can't serve your community. You can't serve your team at, at the office. Your health has to be your number one priority. So what I mean by that is start your day with health. I talk openly kind of with my schedules. I don't touch my phone for the first two hours. Kind of a newer thing, but I've been very disciplined about it. It has a true effect. No phone, no email, no technology for the first couple hours. As I always have, I'm in my gym, you know, in my garage in the morning. That's how I set the tone. And I get my health straight. I prioritize my entire day around health. And then health leads into the rest of the day as far as nutrition and the like. But it is such a big piece is if you start it that way, oftentimes you set the tone for everything else. So when balance comes into play, it's much easier to be balanced when you set the tone healthfully for what your day is going to look like. It's only when you get out of whack. I'm all over the place, right? Often derived from you being manic and checking your email at 6 a.m. and there's a fire already, you're emotionally out of balance. You hear what I just said? Emotionally out of balance at 6 a.m. Your body was not designed for that. Your mind was not designed for that. It's just, I'm not, a, I don't need to be a doctor here to tell you just. So I know sometimes I speak like, you know, as a matter of fact, because I just talk about what works well for me, but I'm talking about what we as beings should have in our lives, right? And it's because I know how impactful it can be for others. So balance is derived once you have a hold on health. And so, yes, from there, it's setting your schedule properly of when you're working, when you're not, um, when you're you know, with the kids and coaching kids and doing all those things that you should be doing if you have a family, you know, those other things that you should be doing, getting into bed before 10 p.m., turning off the news and the media before you get to bed, getting restful sleep. You know, the core fundamentals of things that are going to make you better. It's notice how it's all sort of derived around health. So, yeah, that's great. And one thing I would say too about you is that uh, you actually practice what you preach. Like a lot of people will say, do as I say, not as I do, <laughs> kind of thing, where it's like, I'll give advice, but I'm not always going to follow it. Whereas with you, you'll literally show up at a trade show or event or whatever. You'll hit the gym, you'll get, you'll turn down the late night dinners and other things like that. You'll just get some rest and, and you stick to it no matter what, which is impressive because I, I know myself, I'm not 
quite as rigid and I'll definitely let all things go loose on, on trips or whatever, for whatever reason, I need to get better at that. But, but you actually practice what you preach, which is awesome. And then another note is you were talking about putting your health first. I, we've done a handful of episodes with some leadership coaches, Matt and Linwood from Subtle Distinctions. And they always emphasize a body-centric approach for the same kind of reasons. Like if you're not paying attention to your body, drinking water, exercising, you know, paying attention to your mental health, doing all these kind of things as a leader, then you can't be there as a leader, as your full self for the rest of your team. So you got to start with yourself, work inside out. So I love how that aligns really nicely there. So uh, lots of great advice. Thanks for sharing that. Thanks for building... I want organics and giving people healthier snack options. And I'm excited to participate in the Winning Together platform. So thanks for putting that together as well. For anyone out here kind of listening, we'll put a note to your LinkedIn feed as well, where you're always giving people reminders to exercise or drop in advice on sales or business or anything else. So I'll encourage people to check you out there as well. But thanks for taking some time out of your schedule, even a couple days after your concussion here. So really appreciate what you're doing and taking some time out to share your wisdom and your energy with the group. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Mark or I Want Organics, go to I W O N Organics Plural.com. That's I One Organics.com. Subscribe to our podcast and YouTube channel for more innovator interviews, expert advice, and leadership discussions. If you like this episode, leave a heart thumbs up or review and share it with your colleagues as an ever evolving show we also love feedback so send us your thoughts or ideas for who we should talk to next to evolve at modern species.com.